Uh, hi, I'm here in Arizona with Nicole Lynham. Nicole Lynham is the owner and principal architect of KE Design LLC located in Tempe, Arizona. KE Design is a commercial architecture firm that specializes in the design of gas stations, convenience stores, and other fuel industry facilities. Nicole graduated from Arizona State University in 2007, obtained her initial architecture license in Arizona in 2013, acquired her firm in 2020, and has now expanded architecture licensing to 13 U.S. states. Nicole's 25-year career had provided a variety of experience in residential design, commercial design, land development, surveying, environmental engineering, and civil engineering. Thank you for agreeing to do this podcast, Nicole. Well, thank you for inviting me to be here. <laughs> um, so, uh, did you want to talk a little bit about your business? Sure. Okay. Um, so, as you said in the intro, I took over my firm uh, about three years ago, and I had been working with a civil engineer for since 2007 before that, so 13 years and I acquired the firm from him as he retired. So I gained a lot of experience from him and mentorship as he focused on the fuel industry stuff too, and so I've learned a lot from him and how to run a business, and he never really had the desire to grow or expand, which is something Mm -hmm. that I haven't been as afraid to do and been working towards. Um, And I found that I really enjoy the technical side of that fuel industry and Mm -hmm. kind of the specific stuff that nobody really thinks about with it. at this point, I've got a few employees that we've kind of grown into, and we're still looking at trying to get things in a good spot to expand further. And mm-hmm. um, I was surprised. I I didn't realize it was three years ago. So it was basically during COVID? Yep. It was right before COVID. Okay. It was right at the beginning of 2020. Okay. Uh, and having to transition and learn how to run a business while still actually having all the work coming in and dealing with COVID at the same time and all of that is a lot to learn all at once. (laughs) And so I know uh, Nicole through Entre Architect and um, we started to, um, you know, we we, uh, started conversing while we were in the um, Context and Clarity, which was a a, um, kind of an online um, Facebook Facebook forum that um, that was started on April 6th of 2000 to kind of connect architects during COVID. Um, so what are your first recollections of experiencing architecture? The first time th- stuff that I remember doing was as a kid, we used to go, I'm originally from Michigan and grew up around East Lansing area. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor and all of that type of stuff that kids normally want to do. And we used to go on vacation at least every couple of years down to Cape May, New Jersey and mm. on the coast. And it's got all the old gingerbread Victorian houses. And I used to love just looking at those. And uh. I was really in artistic as a kid. And so I would sit there on the sidewalk and sketch the houses. Um, and then I would take pictures and go home and try and save up my allowance to develop the 10 rolls of film that I took while I was down there, all of houses. Yeah. And yeah. would take and sketch those at home. Uh-huh. And then... When I got to be about 14, 15, I realized, wait, you can actually make money drawing houses. There is a career that does that. And so I took my first drafting class when I was about 15, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of got me into doing this, was just looking at the old houses and want, originally wanted to get into like residential restoration uh-huh. is kind of what 
I originally wanted to get into. And of course, life changes, uh-huh. and it's taken me in different paths. But <laughs> um, uh, so, and and you have an extensive Lego collection, also. Oh, right? of course. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's of course. I think every architect that's always been at least one of the early starts is playing with Legos, and that's one of those ones that gets renewed every few years. Uh-huh. Uh, what are three classic buildings that you like, and why? Um. So. The things that I do, like, I've always kind of liked the, I know, okay, two different things. I've liked the old historical stuff, since that's really uh-huh. what got me started. Um, recently, I've got to go take a trip to Europe, and I get to see a lot of the old ancient buildings that I learned about in architectural history. And mm-hmm. one that had always just fascinated me was, like, the Parthenon. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing how they, the detail that went into it and even looking at the engineering into the perspective where none of the lines are actually straight. They're yeah. all just a little bit skewed yeah. to make it look like they're straight. Yeah. And so just those types of details that went into that have always been fascinating to me because very few people put that much detail and thought into things anymore. Yeah. Um, and then I've always liked kind of the industrial, modern, clean line type architecture. Um, as I've gotten into more recently with the fuel stuff, mm-hmm. I've started to get more and more fascinated with like the old retro gas stations mm-hmm. um, and mid-century modern ones. And the structures were a lot more minimal, but they're a lot more interesting and not just a plain box. And so I've started looking at those and enjoying those a little bit more than what I had in the past yeah. in that style of architecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of old, great, great old ones out there that you just see along the road and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to be able to find one of those in town, which isn't possible because they've all been torn down, but just take one and uh, refurbish it into my office. Yes. I may oh, just yeah. need to move out of the city to do that, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you could move it into the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could move it to a lot. No. Okay. Old gas stations. And then did you have a third or did you... Um, not really. Okay. Um, so what do you like about being an architect? I like the challenge of having to deal with the technical side and the creative side and mixing it all together, which Mm -hmm. not that many things force you to cross that line on a daily basis. And it's always something new every day and always something that makes me want to rip my hair out, but it it, it keeps it fun and interesting to always have something new and challenging. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy being able to help people. And everybody's kind of got this vision about what they would want to have or what their dream house or Mm -hmm. with doing the commercial stuff, everybody has like their idea of what they want their business to be. And Mm -hmm. um, especially with doing retail type stuff, their focus is going to be on their clients. They want to make money, but if you can make their clients' lives easier, then it's going to make their life easier and it's going to make all their customers, if you get a place that's really designed right, they're going to remember that and they're Mm going to be... um, loyal to going back to that same place so Uh being able to help create those environments that really especially with the small business owners that really set them apart to help improve their business and improve the life of their clients Mm -hmm. so it's kind of that chain going all the way down the line of Mm -hmm. helping people to just have a little bit better life yeah are you working on any um charging stations for electric vehicles we haven't done a whole many of those independently but uh-huh. most of the gas stations we've worked on over the last few years um the owners usually want to put at least one or two on it just because okay. that is coming yeah and so yeah 
they're, they're starting to come in and I, I always kind of look at that one it's depending on what the what type of gas station it is and what they're doing with it one of the I, I'm not sure I would recommend them for every gas station mm-hmm. even though the, a lot of them are like okay if things are moving away from fuel we got to get on board with the other stuff mm-hmm. but you have to kind of make sure that where you're putting them, somebody's going to want to sit there for half an hour, which is not the case with a lot of gas stations. So people go there for convenience, quick in and out. So that's one of the things I'm starting to kind of, as we're getting some of these, especially the independent ones that gas station owners that we can kind of work with and advise them more, um, that if we're going to do anything with space or build something, if they want to put them, they need to make something that people will want to sit there. Mm-hmm. So it can't be just a convenience store. You're going to need to either do a restaurant or a coffee shop with it or make it where it's like your local neighborhood market that people used to do where you're going to spend 20 minutes in there getting your groceries and not having to go into the big grocery store. Yeah. So that's one of those things that I think always kind of gets missed in that of they're really good for at your office. They're really good at the grocery store or the mall where you're going to be there for yeah, a few hours. Yeah, a lot of cities have yeah. them sitting there that some people just go in. Like one of my clients, they they had to, to shut the power down for a little bit for their for their project. And I said, oh, where did you go? And she goes, oh, the city has pumps. So I went down there yeah. or, or has the charger. So yeah. she went down there and charged it. But yeah. How long does it take to charge a it depends on whether, which style of charger you put in, whether okay. you put in the cheaper, slower ones or doing the high-powered ones and whether people want to um, fill it up or it depends on how it is. I, uh-huh. it, if you do a slow charger, it can take you eight hours to charge your car. If you get one of the faster ones, and usually gas stations are putting in like the middle grade one where uh-huh. it, it can take you an hour. Um, yeah, to charge an hour car. is a long yeah. time. For so that's why to be for on a trip. people to yeah. put them at the office works good because people are sitting there all day long. Yeah. So yeah. if you're going to really do them in a small space like or a short term, quick in and out space like that, you need to get the faster ones, and you you need to make it like yeah, people can probably get half an hour charging the car if you get the fast one, but mm-hmm. you still need to make it someplace that they're going to sit for half an hour with the kids screaming in the back of the car and <laughs> all that type of stuff. Yeah. And depending on where the location they are, too, like, each gas station really serves different purposes, depending on its environment, I've always kind of found. And so they wouldn't work in every environment, either. Like, I know you get a lot of the inner city ones that they're a little bit more rundown sometimes. Mm. Um, A lot of them don't even have gas in them. They're just the convenience stores, too. Mm. But they really do cater for the foot traffic. They tend to sell a lot more alcohol and cigarettes and things like that. But they're catering to that type of stuff. You're not going to get a car, car charging station. It doesn't make sense to spend the money for one. What's so funny, there's one that's, um, you know, there's one that's in Hilo Bend. Mm-hmm. That's a Tesla mm-hmm. charging. And it's it's by, I'm pretty sure it's by McDonald's. Yeah. I thought, you know, I, I, I don't know whether it's still there or not. But, yeah, they, mm-hmm. they, so do you have to charge, like, a Tesla? Do you have to charge or can you just charge... Do you have to go to a Tesla station? You can get adapters for them, but usually okay. it's more efficient for the Tesla owners to go to the Tesla stations. Okay. okay. But, yeah. Uh-huh. But there are adapters you can get. But then I also had a friend that they rented a Tesla last weekend to go mm-hmm. drive up to Lake Havasu and didn't really plan out the route and ended up running out of power and had to pay $150 to get it towed to the next charging station. And so... <laughs> I guess if you're if you have one on a regular basis, you kind of know those things. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I look in, they would be good for like along the highways because, yeah, people are going to do that. Yeah. Your suburban ones, maybe, but people aren't really, I usually they're looking for the convenient stuff mm-hmm. in those. So you kind of, it's one of those things where I think that there is a place for it, but you need mm-hmm. to make sure you're designing for it properly with this industry. Okay. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, what would you like to say about the future of architecture? It's going to be interesting. Um, I know it's changed a lot, especially over the last 50 years with all the technology and everything else that comes in, and our lives have changed drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's not going to slow down anytime soon, as we've seen even the last several years. And then now with AI coming in and everything else changing, um, I would say that the biggest things I'm kind of seeing going on, it's we're getting a lot more simplicity in our architecture, I think, and people aren't as focused on, I kind of going back to the Parthenon, we Uh don't have detail like that. And a lot of the stuff is really getting more commercialized and they're looking at, okay, how can we just take and be cheap and do the same building over and over again? Mm -hmm. And we're starting to lose some of that uniqueness in buildings. So I'm hoping that that does change. I'm not sure it will, because I think if we get more of the, AI type stuff, I think we may end up moving more in that direction and we'll lose some of that identity to our Uh buildings. So there's always that worry too. Um, But, and I think the last several years with COVID, everybody really has gotten this focus on, they want convenience of their life. What's gonna be easy, what's gonna, I even before that, it was everybody got their cell phones now and expects instant uh, responses on emails and everything and fast food and people aren't sitting there cooking dinner for two hours every night and, I mean, people really want what's quick and convenient and going to make their life easier. Mm-hmm. And they, they think that was a big change over COVID that it made it much more so because everyone got used to having your groceries delivered to your house and not having to even do any of that. <laughs> I never had groceries delivered to my house the entire time during COVID or since then. Since then, yeah. I've, I've never had groceries delivered I, to my house. I started doing yeah. it towards the end of COVID and realized that it was really convenient not having to go to the store. And I it's like a $10 delivery charge, but I'd spend a lot less because I didn't do all the impulse buying. I had to think about what I was ordering. Uh huh. And then it, that's also time that I'm not having to spend walking through the store, trying to figure out what I want. And yeah. so it's, it saved me more time doing that, but I never would have considered that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even now it's still kind of like one of those things that just seems weird that I don't have to go to the grocery store anymore. <laughs> My husband goes to the grocery store I a lot to, of times. If we I need used to, but. to do it. I used to go to Target during COVID just to like get away, and then there were other people in there that were like, "I just needed to get out of my house." I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, I get it. I needed to get out of my house too." I just went. Yeah. I, said, I used to do that even before. I used to say, "Oh, I'm gonna go buy diapers." You know? Oh, I'll get them. No, no, that's okay. I can get them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, I've used to be very shy and kind of definitely an introvert and stuck in go to work, go home, go to work, go home, and then. Uh, right about the time I took over the firm or a little bit before, probably about four years ago, I'm like, you know, and I was in the transition to take over acquiring my firm. I'm like, I really can't be an effective business person if I don't get out and talk to people mm-hmm. and get outside of my little bubble, at least on occasion. So I was like, you know, I got to start doing something to get that comfort level back up. And so I started volunteering with like my HOA and got on one of the city boards and all of that mess. And so it's kind of like 
my schedule got very full trying to do all that and then having to run a business and then bringing on employees and having to train employees. So I'm like, yeah, yeah that convenience of not having to stop at the grocery store after work when I'm tired and just want to go home is something that is definitely a draw yeah. to that. Yeah. And I think that our world is probably going to keep moving more in that direction. Mm-hmm. If people, I, It's like going to the Jetsons where you have your robot cleaning your house <laughs> and everything's automated. And I would love, yeah. I would love a robot cleaning. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one six, or I think that more than just the one that goes the around little the Roomba. floor. Yeah, yeah, not a Roomba like full on cleaning. Yes. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that automation coming in in the smart homes and even in my house. Most of our light switches are smart switches. We can turn them on and off from our phone oh, okay. and things like that. And uh-huh. so I think that that's going to be, have a big effect on the future of our architectures to see what technology we can put into it and what the future technology is going to be. What yeah. else is going to come out that's going to automate our homes or impact the design of the buildings. And we're also getting all the... Um, energy efficiency requirements keep increasing so mm-hmm. how is that going to impact it because now we're already we're like okay your standard wall studs a lot of times aren't thick enough to be able to get the insulation requirements you mm-hmm. need in some spots and so that's changing the design of things too is that it's more important and I yeah are you putting the insulation on the inside yeah. of the outside yeah. too and, and just using if you do need to use a yeah. two by four yeah and then looking at like with doing convenience stores where usually your front walls all windows uh-huh. well and especially in Arizona well that has a big effect on your energy so it's not as efficient to do that and so we're having to start minimizing those windows to meet the energy requirements or you're doing like triple pane windows and really expensive windows on it and even inside there they need to be careful on where they're putting their products especially around here because you cannot put chocolate on the front <laughs> half of the store because <laughs> it will melt and so I think that as those energy efficiency factors come in more and more, mm-hmm. that's going to change our design too. Yeah. Because we can't have the full window walls and still maintain unless we improve what the efficiency of the windows, which they are doing. But I think yeah. that's going to have a big effect on it too of just what new technologies come out on everything and mm-hmm. the energy efficiency restrictions and just looking at our buildings more sustainably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really talked to anybody about the AIA conference, but um, what did you like about the AIA conference? I'm assuming you like something. <laughs> I like hanging out with, with my architect friends, that I, especially from the Entre Architect in the context of Clarity, where we've gotten to know each other so well over the last three years, yeah. just online, where... Some of them I still had not met in person until recently. It's like, I know you. I talk to you like once a week, but we have not met. And even the ones I have met, it's maybe once a year. You guys see each other. So it, it was good kind of reconnecting with the people that I do consider friends that mm-hmm. I don't really get to see too often. And just kind of catching up with everybody. Um, I thought the keynote speakers were really good and very inspirational. Um, and just kind of seeing what new products are out there and the new technology at the expo was good. Yeah. But being around that environment is always really good to like refill the inspiration and motivation for this industry and kind of reignite why you started. Oh yeah. So yeah. I, I, that's always yeah. good to kind of get that built back up. Of, yeah. Oh yeah. I do this for a reason Yeah. and I do enjoy what I do and kind of build that passion for it again yeah and I took one of my employees with me this time which she had never been and she kind of got the same thing from it where at the end of it she was just extra motivated to keep excelling in her career Mm -hmm. and so that was really good to kind of get that connection with 
one of my team members on that and see her grow through yeah. that experience. Yeah. And yeah. get inspired to do bigger things. Yeah. Yeah, I only paid for one day of the conference and then the other one I was part of the exhibitor for the tech app that mm-hmm. that's come you know, then I have the um the uh, podcast with Bob Havian also, but um, this was like a very kind of, it was, it was, seemed like it was more relaxed for me, even though I was kind of running around, but I didn't go to as many sessions as I would normally have done or, you know, kind of, it was more kind of like, oh, okay, I'll do this. Like, oh, do I have time to fit this in or no, you know. It was um, more of a work conference of, you had things planned throughout the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think yeah. we spent more time at the expo and less time at the sessions than what we had planned, but it was just massive and there were a lot of good things there too to see and I spent more time kind of socializing with people because I hadn't put that time in my schedule really. Um, so it was good to kind of get through some of that. And I think the other thing that stood out to me on it this year was just seeing because the last AIA convention I went to was twenty nineteen. So it was before COVID, and yeah, I seeing yeah. the change in yeah. AIA, AIA just in that time frame, uh-huh. where the direction is kind of changing. They're being much more focused on inclusiveness and things like that, and trying to put more focus on the architecture industry and making it where it's not grinding away at a desk for eighty hours a week, mm-hmm. and that it's always kind of been it's this competitive industry, and you're just trying to fight your way through it and unappreciated and you're going to get stuck just sitting there drafting something that somebody else designed and you're never going to make any money. And so it's always kind of been pictured as this, at least anybody that's in it, as this really rough industry. Uh-huh. Um, outsiders always think it's like this glamorous thing. But yeah. once you're in it, we're like, oh, this is not what we thought it would be. Um, and I know, like, I've heard studies where, or surveys and stuff where people have asked, would you encourage your kids to become an architect like asking other architects and almost all of them say no they're like I would not (laughs) wish this career on my kids and so seeing that that's where our industry has come from and seeing that that dialogue is changing and Mm -hmm. I think it's changing on other industries too of trying to get more inclusive but there really is this new focus on that national level finally to make it a career that people actually want to be in and able to have some balance and not end up having a mental breakdown because we're pushing ourselves too hard. Yeah. So yeah. that was really reassuring to see that there this year that I've always kind of seen the little groups of people doing it, but to see that really happening on the larger national mm-hmm. level is really yeah. encouraging for our industry. And I think, I mean, you know, just diversity and different ways that you can practice architecture, mm-hmm. diversity and, you know, men and women and, you know, other, um, you know, people of color in the industry, I think, I think is good. And then also just, you know, I really think about just like you can, you can create your own life in architecture. You know, it's not so much about like, oh, is my, is my architectural career like that person? Don't compare yourselves to other people, Mm -hmm. but create your own so that you, you can, you know, so that you can be happy, you know? Yeah. My career path certainly has not been what I had anticipated and not the traditional path. I, my degree was actually in housing development and not in architecture. Um, I got licensed in Arizona based on my work experience and the time I had done with that. Mm-hmm. Never would have expected that I'd end up with a focus on gas stations and convenience stores. I, I was, every architect, I think, when they're going to the school wants to do the big high-rise buildings. And I would have thought that, yeah, that's just the boring stuff that nobody wants to design that. That's all just big boxes. 
Um, and so I don't think I ever wanted to design high. I think I did one high rise for because they had the Van Allen Prize, and I think that I did I designed a skyscraper that, which really just kind of looked like one of my other buildings that I was designing at that time, except it was taller. But I did have like these elements of greenery, you know, like these mm-hmm. kind of you know, um, a lot of spaces for greener within with where, you know, you can, you could go in and then there was like all of, um, you know, it was like being in a, in a park, except, you know, you're elevated off the ground. Yeah. But, um, and I did actually, Nicole, at one time, one of the, um, one of the guys that I went to architecture school with, his dad actually did AMPM mini marks. And so he would have sheets and we could go and like work. And I think we got paid like a hundred or $150 a sheet. And we had to use, um, uh, you know, Zipatone and, and, you know, the, the yeah. sticky backs for, yeah. for all of the logos for the AMP and mini Mart, the way that they would change them off. And, and, yeah. and, uh, I think I did it for, I think I did it for one day, but I had friends that would do it for them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe that maybe they only asked me one. The wonderful bit, change yeah. in technology. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been interesting going the alternate paths and not following the same way as everybody else and getting into kind of a specialty that I never would have imagined. And I've fallen in love with kind of the intricacies of it. It's kind of this hidden infrastructure that everybody uses but nobody thinks about. And so yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I get to see how I can improve this thing that everybody else ignores. Yeah, and maybe we can make it yeah. so it's not all ignored. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know it's like I met you, and then I got this project that I mean I met you online and everything, but um, but then you know I got this project where the owner, you know, the owners who are doing these four houses actually install fuel tanks, mm-hmm. you know, and so I was like, wow, you know, now I'm like, you know, because I had no, I had no idea. Yeah. I really had no idea okay. about you know. I mean, I knew that you would design them, but you know, I, I just. I just didn't Nobody know about the whole about fuel tank installation yeah. and just kind of that whole and and you know they they need um, a lot of labor that they're not able to get. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, in order to like dig those things out and oh, then, yeah. you know and, and um you know they had some project in Monterey where Monterey wanted them to take the fuel tanks out because they were no longer going to have that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they wanted them, you know, they had installed them and they said, "Oh yeah, we want you to take them out." And so yeah. that's what they had they had ended up doing. Yeah. And a lot of times, I even other architects that are that deal with designing gas stations, convenience stores, and stuff, they usually aren't getting into the details of the fuel stuff. They'll leave that up to the fuel contractor or whatever. Or they get their prototypes set of plans, and they don't really pay attention a lot of times to what's going on or mm-hmm. how those things work. Mm-hmm. And so once I kind of started getting into it and got beyond that point, I'm like, well, maybe I should actually pay attention to what I'm drawing up and learning how these things go together. And I've become really good friends with some of our fuel contractors where Mm -hmm. if I have any questions they're gonna definitely help me out and show me the details of no this is connected to this and just spending time out in the sites watching what they're doing and yeah it's a lot more fascinating than what I ever would have thought and even looking at like how on the nationwide thing scale of how they transport the fuel to different places and the big bulk terminal plants at every different locations that it's all coming into Mm -hmm. and the pipelines that are bringing it in everywhere (laughs) and yeah. I the way all of this works is just fascinating to me, and like, yeah. I know one of the things that, um, which I had a project a few years ago that kind of taught me this one. Like Phoenix has one main pipeline that comes into Phoenix that mm-hmm. brings all the different types of fuel. You'll have diesel fuel, and then you have 
um, jet fuel and all of them, and they all come through the same pipe. And so I'm like, I never would have thought they'd keep pushing the different types of fuel just in the same pipe. Yeah. And then they do get mixed up because you have the spot where you're having from one fuel to the other, and so you get this mixture area. And they have facilities that they, transmix facilities that they take that piece to, and they'll take and separate the components back out. So they have these systems that are like, okay, we're going to pull the sulfur out, and we're going to pull this component out. And there's actually a market to sell those components to other people. <laughs> so it's like yeah. you have this whole thing where it's efficient to bring the fuel in, but then you yeah. have this little mixed part that they have to take and figure out what to do with that afterwards. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of things in that whole process that I never really would have thought about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like I'm, the scale of those projects. I'm the type where if I was working in a high-rise building and working on the same project for three years... It would drive me nuts. I would yes. get bored with it. No, no, I would. I, the yeah. same thing. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I like, like doing yeah. those smaller scale projects, and a yeah. lot of the ones we do are remodel projects where we kind of are taking these older buildings and figuring out how to revitalize them and mm-hmm. make them still relevant for today, mm-hmm. which is always fun to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it makes it a little more challenging sometimes to make those work with the stuff today. But yeah. I what my clients part. were saying was was that there there's a you know I mean some people they they get most of their food from, you know, in some neighborhoods, they're getting most of their food and groceries yeah. from the convenience store. And I remember yeah. growing up as a kid, I we were probably about 15 minutes drive from in town. So if you want mm. to go to the grocery store, it was 15 minutes or whatever. But I remember if you wanted bread, milk, or eggs, we were going to the convenience store for it. We weren't going into mm. the grocery store. We'd go to the grocery store like once a month, and my mom would spend like $200, buy all the groceries. But if you needed like the other stuff in between, we'd go to the convenience store on the way mm. home to get that stuff. Um, and that's, that's just kind of the way it was. It was your neighborhood market type thing. Yeah. And I think as you're getting more of the density in the inner cities and things like that, and people are moving more towards pedestrian mm-hmm. lifestyles. Yeah. We need that back. And yeah. So I think a lot of those are going to have to convert back to that type of style. Yeah. Cause yeah, especially after COVID too, people don't always want to go into the big grocery stores that yeah. are crowded with people. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's, yeah. you know, I mean, I think that the stores are also be- because I think that they're also improving the quality of the food that they're yeah. selling. You know, that there yeah. are, you can actually get fruit and vegetables in a convenience store yeah. now. And yeah. a lot of the convenience, especially the independent ones, are starting to get where they are putting more fresh produce in there. Mm-hmm. And they're doing more of the craft beers. And they're really trying to market to a different group of people than yeah. what they always have been in the past. So they yeah. really are trying to get kind of the, those young adults that are looking for a little bit healthier stuff and not just coming for a candy bar and beer. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it might be beer still, but yeah. <laughs> now it's fancier beer. Fancier beer, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to call out any any names. Of the, I'm just going to say, like, you know, Bud, Bud Light would be, like, the non-fancy beer. And then, <laughs> you know, though I guess every, they, I mean, didn't they buy out one of the craft beers? Didn't they? Yeah. Could be. Yeah. All the corporations are always buying out somebody. They're always buying something. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. I mean, this is uh, fascinating. You'll you'll um share some photos of um of your favorite buildings and then also of your um of maybe some of your projects. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been enjoyable. (laughs) Thanks, Nicole. (laughs)